Good afternoon, Anchor Nation. Southeast Third coming to you live, 22nd of September. Uh, you may hear some background noise. That's me driving. Don't worry, I've got my headphones in, and I know that doesn't actually make my situation safer because you need to be able to listen to your surroundings. If you got headphones in, it doesn't work. But that means that my hands are free and I'm watching the road and not my cell phone. So rest assured, I'm, uh, who cares? Anyway, I just wanted to give an update here. I haven't made content in a while and I was listening to JP's what? You see how easy that was, John? I just threw out your name. Hope you're listening. I just threw your name out there. JP's what? Give it a listen if you're listening to this podcast. He's definitely got some good stuff out there. <laughs> I'm thinking about an episode I listened to his channel today. God, <laughs> I'm sitting there lifting weights in the gym. I'm doing that now, by the way. I'm lifting weights in the gym, and I hear him talk about two men pounding away, one behind the other, if you catch my drift. If you smell what I'm stepping in, they smelled something in the bathroom of a Walmart. Uh, my vibration just went off because somebody reacted to my Instagram story. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. So, yeah, give JP a listen. I'd like to get him on the podcast and, you know, kind of affirm some of the things he says because we really don't do that in the uh, little circle of the Big Beef and Show. Threw that out there, too. Shane's always getting on my butt about never promoting it. But uh, we really don't affirm each other. <laughs> we really contradict and, and break each other down. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it's funny, but it's like, you know, John made some pretty good points on his podcast recently is like, there's different kinds of bravery. Absolutely. And, you know, military people are brave. Cops are brave, but then you got to be brave. You got to be one brave SOB to put your face out there on a video stream on social media, because you know, you know, before you even sign up for an account, people are out there ripping each other new assholes. Yeah. And John, like he was literally saying some of the stuff that people say, your shit's stupid. Your shit sucks. You suck. You're ugly. You're fat. You're old. <laughs> if you're seeing that, you know, if you've got like a thousand comments, cool that you got a thousand comments, but none of them are good. <laughs> none of them are positive. Every single one of the comments they leave on your stupid video or whatever it is, is an insult. <laughs> Can you imagine what that's got to do to somebody? You know, somebody that's like impervious because their self-esteem is so intact, they're not going to mind. But can you imagine some fragile 21-year-old who's like, you know what, I'm going to do something uh, big with my performance art, and I'm, I'm going to put some content out there, and I, I, I bet people are going to love it. I know I'm going to love it, and that's all that matters. If I have a good time, I'm just going to put it out there and make it. And then the next thing you know, they're deleting their account and crying because <laughs> a thousand people told them how ugly they are. You know, that's you got to be brave, man, to get yourself out there. You got to be brave to go on TV and be on those uh, competition shows. American Idol, America's Got Talent, you know, because you're opening yourself to all kinds of scrutiny. You're opening yourself to all kinds of hate and, and people will hate for no reason. Not because they're hateful, because they want to say something that's potentially going to get a laugh. <laughs> I mean, we grew up that way. We said all kinds of stuff about each other just to make people laugh. What you don't see or, or know is that, you know, people are going home and crying about that stuff, <laughs> you know, and I don't mean like, hur, 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 he hurt my feelings. I mean, like these people, <laughs> they, they, they start to question if 
they have any self-value at all. You know, it's, you got to be careful with that kind of stuff, man. You got to, you, you're going to push somebody over the edge one day. <laughs> I mean, I think they made a movie about it called Falling Down. And, you know, mental health is, is sort of creating some waves and changing the stigma. And I don't just mean like suicide and depression. I mean like self-esteem and confidence and all that stuff. That's, that's become a, uh, it's, it's starting to be reformed. And that, you know, I think that's good. It's okay to make a joke and laugh about stuff and pick on people, but bullying is, is what destroys lives, man. And, and John was, he hit that on the head, you know, but John, John is so sure of himself that he gets out there and he's like, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta put on a brave face and do it. <laughs> and, you know, John, I gotta commend you for that, man. I know it's not easy. Nobody wants to listen to that. Nobody wants to read those comments, <laughs> but he did it. He did it. Um, we see if he has responded. Never mind. Anyway, so uh, I've been going to the gym more consistently today. I, I went back after taking the yesterday off. Um, it's been a struggle to try to find that balance between resting uh, and work and uh, working out. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not always re recharged when I wake up. Sometimes I wake up just as tired as when I went to sleep. You know, I, I wake up at like eight o'clock for no reason when I don't go to sleep until like one or two, sometimes even three. So I'll sleep anywhere from five to six hours and I'll wake up and I'm like, God, I'm still tired. I'll go back to sleep and sleep until 11. <laughs> so if I can just sleep my straight seven to eight hours, I won't be so tired when I wake up. And that's my struggle is trying to get a good sleep schedule and have the energy I need to get up and get things going for my day, you know, wash my clothes clean my kitchen, uh, go to the gym and go to work. College is coming sooner than, you know, I, I'm, th I'm ex uh, it's, it's coming fast. College is coming real fast. It's in January, you know, I got all of November and December, excuse me, all of October, November and December to, uh, to get ready for that. And a big part of that is going to bed on time. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll look into some sleep aids. I've tried melatonin in the past and, I didn't really uh, like the way it made me feel. So, um, and regardless, uh, the situation with Jamie is still up in the air. She wants to move in together and, you know, I'm trying to get things situated with my dad. So that's like getting pulled in several different directions there because work is stretching me thin. And then my dad's situation is getting more uh, strenuous for him and the people he lives with. Um, they made an agreement before he even got out of prison that he was going to stay where he's at for six months. And that's it. Well, it's been past six months. So their hospitality is getting extended when that's not what they agreed to. And I mean, with my dad, you got to keep your word. You got to, you got to stick to what you say, or he's not necessarily going to take advantage of you, but uh, who am I kidding? He's going to take advantage of you. Yeah. I know my dad, <laughs> he's going to do that. <laughs> Um, so that's, you know, that's stressful. And then trying to get out of this little rinky dink apartment I'm in into an actual house when I've got to pay like three grand up front. And I'm like, I'm only putting like two grand in the bank a month. I've got to figure out where I'm going to get that extra money from and set up utilities. And, uh, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> I didn't ask for any of this stress. My hair's going gray. I saw that. I saw that a couple weeks ago. Some of the, Hair in my sideburns and on the side of my head is going gray, but 
thank God I still got it, man. I'm so glad I, I got a full head of hair, nice and thick locks that I can run my hand through, that I don't have to look in the mirror and see my scalp through my hairline. I don't have to worry about that. I can just see a nice, full handful of hair. I can grab my own hair. I can style it. I can shape it any way I want to. Hell, I can shave it all off and turn it into a mohawk or uh, an alfalfa point up in the top or uh, shape it into a vagina or a middle finger or whatever I wanted to shape it into because I got enough <sighs> to do that with. So I'm grateful. I was just, I'm not ready to show my age yet. And that's been kind of my meal ticket as everybody compliments me on how young I look. But once I start turning gray, <laughs> Anyway, uh, on a more serious note, um, last Wednesday, so about a week ago now, a patient came in that I was uh, involved in treating. And John and Shane and, and Daniel are going to be like, you're a nurse's aide. No, I'm, I'm not a nurse's aide. I'm like a paramedic. Paramedics and nurse's aides are incredibly different. And I could list you all the differences, but it'd just be boring and take too long. Just understand that the things that paramedics do on an ambulance, I do those in the hospital. So we had a patient, we're giving him oxygen. Uh, I got his IV started. I drew his blood. I sent his blood off to the lab. Um, he's starting to cough and he's coughing up blood. And he's like, I've got a history of collapsed lung. And I was like, okay, we're going to need to get suction started. So I step out and the nurse that's going to be uh, writing up his chart and uh, all that stuff. I go to her and I say, hey, he's going to need suction because he's coughing up more and there's blood in it. And he said he has a history of collapsed lung and he's having some trouble. So um, I'm going to, you know, step away and get some supplies. You just let me what you know what you want to do next. And she was like, okay, because we, it, we, if we do anything like that, it has to come from the doctor. The doctor has to give the okay on that. We can't just do it. So, uh, you know, I talk to her, we get a plan together and I step away. And then um, I see her going in and a doctor going in. And when I left, he was on oxygen. We had him hooked up to all of our sensory equipment. And his oxygen levels were around 92%. I think it peaked at 93, which that's low. Um, you want it to be above 92%, like 94, 95%. And so it started to go down. It started to dip below 90. And that's a problem. Once you get below 90, that's when you're in the danger zone. Um, and you really need to do something to fix that. So they go in and he's, he's in what's called the tripod position. He's bent over with his hands on his knees and he's coughing. And he can't breathe very well. And so uh, I see that the doors open and I hear some uh, raised voices. They're like trying to talk to him and get him to calm down because he's breathing so fast. He's tachneic. That's where you're breathing really fast. And so I, I walk in there and he's a big dude. He's probably like 350. And uh, we position him to where he's laying on his back and we're getting him situated so that he can try to control his breathing, but it's not working. And so uh, the nurse says, hey, I need a... Um, a non-rebreather, high, high flow mask. I run and I get it. By the time I come back, they're like, Hey, we need respiratory therapy team down here right now. And so they call and they make the uh, call to get the respiratory team involved. And, um, they, they didn't know it was an emergency. So they didn't like rush down there. And the call button for the code blue, which is meaning a patient is about to crash or is crashing. Um, didn't work in the room that patient was in. That was a big problem. That's problem number one right there is that the code blue button didn't work. And we needed to press that in order to tell the rest of the hospital that we have an emergency and we need people to hurry to get to us. And that's, so that button didn't work. 
for about the first 10 minutes of this guy starting to go downhill and crash, the call, the code blue button wouldn't turn on. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to that. I was paying attention to everything else because the doctor ended up saying we need to intubate this patient. And there is an, a long list of boxes you've got to check when you do that. You've got to get your airway cart. You've got to get your tubing. You've got to get the um, laryngoscope so that you can guide the tubing into the body. You've got to get a nasogastric tube. You've got to, uh, you know, hook up all the hoses to the oxygen and set high flow oxygen. You got to make sure your um, IVs are set in place. And so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about all these things that I need to get for this guy while everybody else is in the room with this patient. And just so you know, this patient was COVID positive and had pneumonia. So, um, you know, we we start working and we start getting things together. Somebody's like, we need the crash cart. We bring the crash cart and that nurse decided to put it in the room with that patient who had COVID. That was a big no-no. One, everything on that crash cart is now contaminated. Two, there were like six people in there with their hands on that guy and putting a crash cart in there just made it way more cramped. These rooms are not meant for all that stuff to be in there. So that was another problem. And then people started shouting for things and nobody was going to get it. Like, hey, we need a recorder. And nobody's recording. You record the things like, when did you give the medication? Because nobody's at a computer typing all this up. Everybody's touching the guy and trying to get him stable so he doesn't die. So we need somebody to just stand off to the side and write down what's happening and when. And so we tried to do that, but the only person we had available, because everybody else was doing something else, um, the only person we had available to do that was an NA. And NAs don't, under, don't know some of the medications we're talking about, like sodium bicarbonate. They don't know what that is. I mean, they, they know what epinephrine is. Everybody knows what epinephrine is, but they don't know things like sodium bicarbonate and how much that you're giving. And so when we started shouting off all these medications, you know, some of that stuff got missed. Um, and so when we did an intraosseous injection, that's where you take this little drill and you drill a needle into the bone, usually right below the knee. Well, about an inch below the knee. It's uh, You're drilling a, a needle into the marrow and then a catheter is going into that marrow so that you can put fluid straight into the bone marrow. That's the fastest delivery system you can give. And it hurts, but this guy was crashing, so he didn't, he didn't feel a thing. Um, so we, we put the intraosseous injection in his shin and, uh, my IV site that I had taped down and used to send the blood off, the nurse had ripped it out while she was trying to maneuver this guy that, that pissed me off, um, because I was very careful with that. It was in a very difficult location and I used, uh, an ultrasound to actually get it placed and it was in a good spot. You don't want to put an IV in the elbow crease. It's called the AC space. You don't want to put an IV in there because people will move and bend their arm and that little plastic tube will get pinched. And if they're doing that, then the fluids that you're trying to give or the medication you're trying to give won't flow because that it's like pinching a garden hose. And so that IV came out and it was in a good location. So that pissed me off. So I had to start another one on the opposite side and I had to put that in the AC space because there was another nurse next to me who had put the needle in the arm, but he couldn't get flow. So I took over, I got the IV in and I, I cinched it in place and um, the guy ended up losing a pulse. So we did CPR compressions for like three minutes and we got his heart to start back again. And by that time, RT, the respiratory team had showed up and we got them inside the room. Um, we got the intubation set, but his oxygen levels just kept going down. Uh, so the tube, for the uh, intubation wasn't placed correctly. And the nasal gastric tube was put in correctly, but 
but somebody made the decision to take it out anyway. So that was a, another fuck up. Um, but the, the chest tube didn't go in correctly. So what another uh, tech that works here, he was a flight medic for like 20 years. What he thinks happened is that uh, we were putting oxygen in him and that it wasn't going to the right place. So he had this cushion of air being, being built up around his chest. And so when we went to do compressions on him, they were really having to push to get his heart to work. I don't know how, how that accurate that is. It probably is. I mean, I'm going to give him credit. He's been doing it way longer than me. But he was also a really big man. He was easily over 350. And, um, you know, when you're pushing on someone that big, you really got to crank to get to their heart to pump. So that could, it was either Juan's idea or the fact that the guy was big. I'm kind of leaning toward Juan because, like I said, Juan's been doing this a long time. He knows what he's doing. So. Anyway, um, that was another problem. We couldn't get air to the guy's lungs because things weren't going where the way they needed to go. So his oxygen levels just kept going down. And when your oxygen levels go down too far, your brain and your blood aren't getting enough oxygen, which can kill you. So, uh, you know, he, he died, but we brought him back. And then the respiratory team showed up. And, I mean, just thing after thing after thing after thing went wrong with this situation. And I, it, really, it really twisted me up uh, because at first – when I saw all these people involved and we got the respiratory team in there and they started to get him on the oxygen, I was like, thank God we didn't kill this guy. Juan looked me dead in the face and said, yeah, we did kill him. We did. We killed him. We brought him back. We got his pulse back. And I was like, what? It's like, no, we, we did that. He died because of what we did and didn't do. And so for the last week I've been chewing on that. And um, anyway, we got that guy stable. You know, like I said, he died. We brought him back and he went to the ICU, the intensive care unit. He died the next day. And, you know, I was talking to some of the other staff and some friends of mine that are nurses here. And I was like, we killed that patient. And this one lady that works over at the Dom, I've been trying to get her to come to the emergency department because she's a, an emergency room nurse in another, in a private hospital. I said, you, we need people like you here. And she said, well, you keep telling me stuff that makes me not want to work there. Like you're killing patients. <laughs> well, we did that shit, man. And I needed to tell somebody. I can't just bottle that kind of thing up by myself because that's that's a hard pill to swallow. We could have saved that guy, but we didn't. And then Juan hit me. He uh, reminded me of something that I learned in the Middle East. It's like, man, you can do everything right and they'll still die. You can do everything wrong and they'll still live. There's really out. Of, it's out of your hands. You just have to go through the motions, check all your boxes. That's what you got to do. And he's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So um, this podcast isn't meant to bring you down. I know that's how it's ending. It's ending on a sad note. But I want to remind you all that, you know, if your health and your fitness are uh, not where you want to be, just stop making excuses and get up and go. Um, I had to do that to myself today. Just get up out of the bed, get going before one o'clock <laughs> because I got to be at work at three thirty. So just, I just had to tell myself, get up, get your ass out of the bed and go. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes you got to be mean to yourself internally. You just got to be like, stop being a lazy fuck or, or don't talk yourself out of it. It's just, come on, you stupid bitch. Get up and go, get up and go, get up and go. And whatever you use to get you in the gym, you got to have somebody shock you with a cattle prod. Go, get on, get on, get on, get on now. Like my brother does. Um, you know, if that's what it takes to get you in the gym. Then, then go, man. I mean, it's, it's, it'll be worth it. You know, the, the it, carving yourself up into the shape you want to be in ain't easy. 
you know, it burns, it hurts. You might injure yourself. I smashed my finger on a weight the other day. I thought I broke it. And, and, and this bodybuilder that I work with was like, oh, you just got to fight through that kind of stuff, man. Cause I did that to my toe and just had to fight through it. <laughs> you know, that's what it takes and you got to go, man. So, I mean, just go, I promise you, it'll be worth it when you're, you know, 70 years old and you can still wipe your own ass and dress yourself and walk around without a cane or a walker, or you don't need somebody to help you. You know, I'm, I'm seeing all these patients at my, at my hospital and their bodies are just shit because they didn't take care of them. You know, if you take care of it, it'll take care of you. Future you will think past you. So, you know, plan for your future in that respect. <laughs> Listen to me talk about planning for my future. My shit ain't even together. Anyway, I want to thank John for giving me the extra motivation today to make some content. So you'll be seeing me more often in the future, hopefully with some more funny stuff. Give JP's word a listen, man. He's got some good stuff out there. Uh, I don't really care about his TikTok or anything else, but his uh, <laughs> his anchor podcast has been funny. So give that a listen. This is Aaron Rollins with Southeast Third. Take care of yourself and each other. Signing off.